a special night. It began the third, the first of the three days that we talked that Jesus would go through a suffering period of suffering. As you know, in the Jewish holidays, night begins in the evening. And so that first night, Thursday night would be the first night, Friday would be the second night, Saturday would be the third night. On the, somewhere in the middle of Saturday evening, what our Saturday evening and Sunday morning, he would rise from the dead. But he knew that was going to happen. But as he did so, as he thought about um, what was coming up, that night at table was a very intimate moment for Christ. And we want to commemorate that Last Supper on this Thursday. Because there's something very, very important that you've got to keep in mind of what Jesus' emotional state was. As he's thinking about what was to happen, coming up, knowing that he's going to fulfill prophecy, knowing that he's going to accomplish redemption, knowing that he was going to open up a whole new redeemed community called the kingdom of God. And because of what he was going to do, beginning on this night, we would worship him and we would celebrate him. And so in one sense, there's a somberness, a soberness, a serious sacredness that you come into this evening, but there's also a point of celebration. And the thing about the celebration is you have your, your intention because you know something wonderful hap- is happening and something horrible is happening at the same time. There's a reality as you move into the Holy Week that what they would cry out just a week before, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save me, deliver me. And this king would do exactly that, but he would do so more than just saving and delivering. He's going to open up so much more. As we remember this night, we call into mind the reality that he was going to face. We call into mind that that cross, and we venerate that cross because we knew what it would cost to purchase our salvation. He would be the unblemished lamb whose legs would not be broken and wouldn't have to push himself up on that footstool to gasp more breath because God would take his son home before they would destroy his body. He was the unblemished lamb, but as the unblemished lamb, as the God-man, God did not die. The man, Jesus Christ, died. For God can never die, for God is spirit. But the man, Jesus, did die. Why did he die? Did he have to die? Yes, it was all for you. That night, there was one man who represents all of us. It was Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. He walked out after three years of walking with Christ. Judas abandoned, betrayed Jesus. And the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which means all of us have abandoned God. But that night, Jesus would look at his men and he was going to teach them a lesson. And here's the lesson. Christ has a vision for you and for me what it means to live in a fallen world, to be able to move like he moved in pain in torment, in 
torture in forgiveness. And of all the times before this table, of all the times walking along the road and healing and casting out demons, Jesus never once told the disciples what he told them this night. And he said, a new commandment I give to you. This is the night he gave that commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love, that you love, that you love like I do. You see, Jesus has a vision that's either going to drive you insane because you can't accomplish it. And he's out of his mind to think that you are capable of doing what he could do. But nevertheless, he said, a new commandment I give to you. Woman, man, you can walk and learn to love just like Christ. You may be hit. You may be spit upon, you may be betrayed, but a new commandment I give to you, a new vision I have for you, you can handle the pain. You can deal with the disappointment. They will damage you. You will bleed. And you will forgive. And you will be resurrected. There's something that Jesus saw in us that he says I want you to emulate me imitate me follow me and love as I love that's his vision and knowing what it would cost to bring us to that kingdom to be transferred out of the kingdom of self-absorption to be a servant to wash other people's hands that vision so radically changes our whole life because we realize in the kingdom of heaven the highest you can go is to be a servant. And that's what he's called you to. He envisions us to be able to fulfill that even when those who he gave the covenant, promised the disciples, this intimacy, everything, and Judas walked away. That name, that name of Christ, Jesus, means I am your salvation. And therefore, to learn that he is our Savior, giving us humility and washing our feet, knowing the dirt where we've traveled, where we've been, as a shepherd, if he'd have to carry you, he would carry you. But whatever it would take to love you, he was ready to do it. That's why on Thursday, these aspects, we recognize that what he was going to do was to stop that angel of death from passing over our lives, that the angel of sin that controls most of us and and deceives us, the Holy Spirit was going to lift us up out of that and we would no longer be afraid of death. For that Passover angel was, was promised that you will, not, you will not be judged. You will not die. So we rejoice that there's no condemnation, absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For that's what the cross does. When Jesus died on the cross, your future sins were forgiven. Your forgiveness was assured And you get a taste of that assurance, the fact that you know before you die, 
you are, you are all right with God. Jesus would know, too, that this communion that he was about to do, right before all this torment, was going to affirm and, and assure them that I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. As these disciples were hearing these words, they probably had no idea what they meant until after they had gone through the experience. Which is like us. Often we don't know what God's doing until afterwards. And then the Holy Spirit gives us the insight that this was not just a one-off or some episode, but this was going to stamp our identity as servants, as believers. In the body of Christ, we understand that we are all priests. In the body of Christ, we understand that we all are servants. In the body of Christ, we know that when we cry Hosanna, he hears our cry. And therefore, for that reason, as we, as we celebrate this evening, knowing what's coming up, there's something, there's something about this king, this king, this king, who's going to take on torment and pain. This king never sinned. Would know what guilt was. Would know what any finger said. You did this to me and you didn't make it up. You offended. No one would ever point his finger at Jesus like that. With perfect peace, he walked among people who damaged him. In perfect peace, he walked among people who disappoint him. In perfect peace, he would watch people distance themselves from him. Even so, he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem, to go to that cross, and nothing would stop him. This evening was a time of celebration, a time of communion, a time of humbling himself to wash and cleanse his people, but to have that vision that they would likewise go out in a world they would also forgive and also be persecuted and also be abandoned. Easter is not just a ritual that we go through. It is the central core belief that we understand that Jesus Christ died. That's history. But to believe that Jesus Christ died for me, for me, for you is salvation. That he never knew sin until he knew your sin. He never knew sin until he knew your sin. And when your sin and my sin hit him, he could not find the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus knows what it's like to be separated from the Father. He knows what it's like for you to be separated from the Father. And that's why he would take up that cross and suffer. At the Last Supper, again, is the idea that the table means you're welcomed as a friend. It's the Jewish symbol that we all set down and there's nothing wrong between us. There's nothing blocking, interfering with that. And so again, he says at that table, 
to know that when people who have sinned against you, they will need your love, like they, we need his love. And she says, little children, I am with you a little while longer, and you will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, and I also say to you, where I am going now, you cannot come. But he would say, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in the meantime, I'm preparing you for that place. And then he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Remember this day as your initiation into the becoming a lover like Christ. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You see, we have one that's a king. The king became a servant. The God became a man. The shepherd became a sheep. And therefore, we worship. We worship something that took place 2,000 years ago, but is still just as relevant today. That Christ died on the cross, Peter says, once for all the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And by bringing us to God without fear, knowing that the blood of the Lamb would wash away all, all, all sin. And therefore, Christian, you don't walk in fear. You don't walk in fear. You have hope, you have faith, and you are lovers. Lovers of God, free to love others. And for that reason, Christ says, I want you to be my people. And you take up your own cross. And as you die to yourself, you will find the resurrection on the other side of your death. And that's what this gospel is all about. This lamb is going to be part of every man, every woman's story in heaven. As I said last week, in Revelation 7, 7, 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from Japan and from Mexico and Brazil and all nations. I know there will be people in heaven because of my life. I know them. I've led them to Christ. There will be people in, in heaven because of your life, because you've loved them well enough to share the gospel. He says, and there will be people, all tribes and tongues, and standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes, palm branches, saying, Hosanna, you saved me. Hosanna, you delivered me. In all the nations. What a day that's going to be. As we close in this service, I want to do two things. I want, to, I want you to hear... And sing, not to do the song, but I want you to echo this word uh, that Twyla Paris was going to sing. And I want you to sing it to God. This is a very personal worship where I want you to sing this song, Lamb of God. And then afterwards, I'm going to give you time of silence, of meditation. And I want you to talk to the Lord. This is a time of worship. It's a time of, of, of surrender, the time of rejoicing.
but you're on sacred ground. So as you hear this song, sing along with it, but sing to the Lord. <laughs> 